0: welcome to the relationship help show your time with dr roberta shaler the relationship help doctor through the magic of the internet dr shaler provides urgent and ongoing care for relationships in crisis to people throughout the world and she's here for you now Whether you are experiencing a momentary blow-up or the crazy-making of life with a partner, ex, child, or parent who is relentlessly difficult, you'll get your questions answered and enjoy her expert guests. Settle in with Dr. Roberta Shaler now. Leave the drama behind and find peace of mind on today's Relationship Help Show. Here's Dr. Shaler.
1: Hello. I'm so glad you're here. You know, because why am I so glad you're here? I'm here because my whole reason to get up in the morning is to provide you with insights and strategies and ideas and answers to solve the problems that are nagging at you and keeping you up at night. And so if you have one of those questions, be sure to call in. You can get your questions answered right here live. And that's 888-627-6008. 888-627-6008. You have all kinds of relationships in your life. The close family ones, the romantic ones, the community ones, the church ones, the work ones, the school ones. And most important, the relationship that you have with yourself. And today I'm going to talk about something I haven't spoken with you about before. I'm going to talk with you about teenagers. Teenagers. Yeah, teenagers. Some of them are absolutely fabulous and a joy to have around. Others are wrenchingly difficult, and some are in between. But we need to talk about the relationship with teenagers, whether that's our inner teen that's still rebelling, or a teenager that we have in our life, maybe as close as down the hall, or maybe a nephew or a niece or somebody that you have to work with. And we need to understand them a little better because they can be quite crazy making, right? Um, I was a teenager. You were a teenager. So we know something about that. Um, We couldn't be told anything when we were a teenager, could we? No, no. We knew everything. We were right. Right. We were on top of it. And how dare you tell me that you, you think differently than I do? And uh, those kind of things come out of teenagers' mouths in one way or the other. And teens are mostly great fun. You know, I, I was at the, I went shopping yesterday and down here in San Diego, school started. And so the, the uh, shopping center that I go to where the grocery store is, is near the high school. And there they all were, all out in front, all sitting in Starbucks, just everywhere. But they were so polite, and they were so respectful, and they smiled when I smiled at them. And I thought, wow, what a great group of kids. Now, it wasn't my favorite thing to have to wander through 25 kids to get to the door of the grocery store, but they were lovely, and none of them seemed to be problematic, nor did they have a problem with adults. That was great. Because sometimes you walk past teenagers who are not very happy. And when you smile at them, they kind of wonder what's up. (laughs) And um, I've had a lot of experiences with teenagers. Not only was I one, but I raised three. And I used to be a director of a school for at-risk teenagers. So I've seen them from all sides. The ones that were pretty easy to get along with and the ones that weren't, and all variations in between. Variations even in my own house among my own three. So I do know something about teenagers. And my guest today, Donovan Dreyer, he knows a lot about teenagers. So stay tuned at 11.30 halfway through the show when he comes on and he's going to talk about how to go from reactive to responsive and then further on to being proactive with your teens so don't miss that and if you have a question for him be sure to call in them so teenagers are questioning things mostly they like to question us but um they range from being reclusive hidden in their rooms uh, with addiction to video games only coming out when desperately in search of food and taking it back to their, their bedroom and making a mess and driving us crazy. Or they, they instead of being like nocturnal creatures, some of them go to the risk-taking side. They honestly believe that the laws of gravity, as well as the laws of the land, don't actually apply to them they think they are immortal and they're invincible and you should see that of course you should see that i mean what are you thinking here they are uh, so clearly <laughs> so clearly um capable of doing anything and why are you not noticing that so there's there's a problem here that we're going to talk about that you may not know because sometimes you're so proud of them and other times you shake your head and want to crawl into a hole, right? <laughs> um, and and there are things going on in the background with teenagers that maybe we're not so aware of, and I want to help us with that awareness today. Um, when I was directing that school, uh, it was a wonderful place. We were out on a beautiful farm, and, and the kids had to uh, do some work in order to stay there. They learned construction skills and gardening skills and all kinds of things while they did that, which was great. And it also was a way to channel all that excess energy that they have. But when I went to that school... The kids were completely unruly. They were all over the place. They were swearing. They were smoking. They were disrespectful. They didn't care. They didn't learn anything. And the sort of maximum time that any kid stayed was two to three months because they'd have to leave or they left of their own volition. And I didn't think that that was necessary for those kids to behave that way and to be treated that way. And they needed a safe place to be where they were loved. So... In the five years that I was there, we turned it around completely to make it the most exciting place to be, that you didn't want to miss anything. We put on shows, we did big art projects, we learned all of our our curriculum, but we did it in a fun, experiential way. And the kids set the rules and the sanctions. So if you did this, this would happen. So it became very, very easy to monitor the behaviors because I would simply look at a kid and say, I'm so sorry I'm going to miss you for these next 3 days and the kid would look at me and say but and they knew that they they had as a group chosen that if you do this you have to go away for 3 days but I don't want to miss anything I'm sorry but you chose to miss it so by the end of the 5 years instead of having a revolving door of the kids leaving every 2 to 3 months the last two years that we had, we had very few vacancies and the kids stayed and they learned all that they needed to do to return to the regular, regular school. So it's possible. And one of the things that I realized was talking to the kids, I said to them, well, how many meals a week do you eat with your family? And there were 18 kids present at that time. And of those 18 kids, only one ate one meal a week with their family. And the rest ranged from having no food to having food in the cupboard they could get if they wanted to having food on the stove they could take to their room or to having food on the table that they took to their room or that one kid who actually sat down once a week with their family. So I saw an opening there. So we built a wonderful kitchen and I taught the kids to cook. And so every day, two kids made a fabulous meal for everybody for lunchtime, and they all sat and ate together, and they were nourished, and they were nurtured, and they were loved, and they learned skills. So I do know quite a bit about teens, and I remember one morning I said to a kid on a Monday morning, I said, how was your weekend? He said, well, I stole a car. I said, why did you do that? He said, I stole a car and we rode around in it for a while and then we found a hose and we filled it with water and we left it in a field. Why did you do that? Kids answer, I was bored. Okay, we've got to make sure that kids have interesting things to do, things that are compelling and of interest to them. So what was really going on in that 15-year-old mind? And this is the thing that I want to talk to you about today that you might not know. Because um, I was reading a piece, uh, preparing for today, on teens' brains. And the author, Molly Edmonds, she had this great metaphor. She suggested we should think of a teenager's brain as an entertainment system that hasn't been fully hooked up yet. (laughs) Isn't that great? an entertainment system that hasn't been fully hooked up yet. So there are loose wires. Think about that. The speakers aren't working with the DVD, and the DVD doesn't yet talk to the TV. And the biggest issue is the remote control hasn't arrived. So that remote, that's the prefrontal cortex. This section of our prefrontal lobes is the place where we have the ability to weigh outcomes, to form judgments, and to control our impulses and our emotions. This is the remote control. So it's not developed. It's developing. And so no wonder if you don't have the remote control, you can't make anything run very well. So isn't that a great metaphor that Molly Edmonds offered? Because that's how teenagers often seem. They seem like they have a bunch of loose wires, don't they? <laughs> it's just like, what? What are you thinking? What are you doing? And you, and they say, well, I don't know. <laughs> and and they don't know. They don't know. So we have to think about that. They They are in a stage of growth and development where the prefrontal lobes are not fully functioning for them. So we have to remember... The remote control has not yet arrived, and the teen is going on autopilot. And unfortunately, probably wanting to go along with other teens' thinking and rationale. And those other teens' remote control has not arrived either. <laughs> this is huge. You know, how many times has your teen said to you? Well, so-and-so's mom says it's okay, and we're going to do something outrageous. Well, you know, so-and-so's mom probably didn't. So when you offer to call so-and-so's mom and figure it out, all of a sudden the story changes, right? (laughs) I remember that so much. So actually, there's evidence that the remote control is not actually in place till the mid-20s. Our brain keeps growing till the mid-20s. Now, there's no telling a teen, hey, your brain's not developed. (laughs) That's not going to work. But that's information you need to have when you're dealing with a teenager. Because if you expect them to behave like a fully functioning, mature and healthy, big catch words, mature and healthy adult, they don't have the capacity. So that's why they all of a sudden get so much more easy to be around when they're 18, Because that capacity is growing and growing. So it's all starting to make sense, right? Here we have some human beings in our life that we love and care about, want the best for, want them to make good decisions and learn how to do that. And yet there they are with the remote control missing, an undeveloped ability to weigh outcomes. We know that's true because teens don't think, Where will this get me or how will this look? They just think, I want to do that. That'll be fun. So they don't have the ability to weigh outcomes the way we'd like them to. And that's our job. We have to say, well, hey, did you think about this? Did you think it could go down this way and this would happen and that wouldn't be good? You know, you have to help them some with that. So they have this undeveloped um, ability to weigh outcomes, and then they have an undeveloped ability to form judgments. So, teens are not known for their great judgment, right? <laughs> Were you? Probably not. You know, I, I was. I was an adult when I was seven, I think. So I did. I did have a clue, but I sure, certainly looked around me. You know, I wanted to please a hijackle because I was raised in a hijackle family. So when you're constantly vigil- uh, vigilant to please a hijackle, you can become very, very good so that you don't get in their bad books. But teens generally have difficulty forming good judgment. And remember, they have no experience to inform them. So learn good communication skills that teenagers can can accept. They're saying, wow, well, you know, I know that, that it sounds like a great idea, but you've never experienced anything like that before. So maybe we should talk about whether it is a great idea. So they don't have the ability the full ability to weigh outcomes, and they don't have the full ability to form judgments. And the worst thing is they don't have the ability to control their impulses and their emotions. And so control, why? I'm just escaping from you. I'm just having a life. I'm individual. So what we call this time in life is individuation. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, I'm different than you are parent. <laughs> I'm different than you are, teacher, or whomever you happen to be to them. And I want you to know I'm separate and different. And I think and I, I I have different needs. And I see the world differently. And my way is right. And so it becomes a bit of a power struggle sometimes. And we just have to know what's going on there. You know, so often in my business, because I have clients all over the world, and people communicate with me on the, on the internet regularly. I'll get teens writing to me on my page at um, Relationship Help Doctor, and they'll say things like, "I've fallen in love, and 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 my and she left me, and she was the love of my life, really." I'm sure that's true. It's the only love you've ever had. So that makes her the love of your life. But they're devastated because they don't have this ability, these prefrontal lobe development, in order to see a broader, more general picture. They don't have that. So I'm going to turn my phone off before we make any... Any undue noises here? Um, they don't have that ability, so they're writing to me and telling me that they're devastated and they're suicidal. And what do I do? And how do I get her back? And I have to be respectful of that because here they are with these three deficits—you know, weighing outcomes, no judgment, no control—and so they are in a horrible place because their hormones are raging. And they're sure that they found this fabulous person they want to be with forever. And they're only 16. And I have to treat them with a great deal of respect because they think they're grownups. So these big questions come up all the time. And talk about no impulse control. They just don't have it. And teens need to be loved through all of this. They need to be loved, even when they're at their most unlovable. That's not so easy to do. I know, like sometimes you just want to walk away and leave them in a desert somewhere, right? (laughs) Or I used to say, wouldn't it be great if they could be frozen like logs and piled like kindling, and I could come back when they're 25. (laughs) There were those moments, right? Of course there were. And we need to understand that we have the capacity to love them without enabling the bad behavior. And that's our task as a parent, to love them, to give them direction, to not enable inappropriate behavior. Sometimes we do a great job with that. Other times we abdicate our responsibility. So let's talk about that after the break. Stay tuned. Hello, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are these stories and questions on today's show sounding familiar to you? Are you ready to say no more to the abuse from toxic people in your life? I'm so glad. You matter and you deserve to have real love, true love in your life. Love from yourself and love from others. Not that demeaning, discounting and dismissive masquerade that a hijackal pretends is love. I can help you regain yourself, your self-esteem, your self-confidence after a life with a hijackal. Whether it was your partner, an ex, a parent or a child. Let's work together now for individual sessions or small group coaching visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join. Talk soon. Well, we're back. And, uh... Remember, if you do have a hijackle in your life, make sure that you contact me somewhere because I want to help you recover from that. And today, we may even need to recover from being with teenagers. Um, that sometimes takes us a while. But I was just talking before the break and before our guest, Donovan Dreyer, joins us in, a, in about 10 minutes. Um, I was talking about the teens need to be loved, and especially when they're at their most un. Lovable. So sometimes teens just do things to get your attention. And they really want you to interact with them, but they don't know how to get your attention in a positive way. So they do it in a negative way. Can you allow yourself to see that no matter what way they tried to get your attention, that that's what they were doing and focus on giving them attention as opposed to being so upset with what they did? I'm not saying you shouldn't be upset with what they did and you shouldn't set some boundaries and you should be very, very clear about what's appropriate. But could you come from that place of love? Could you come from that place of, oh, I understand the compassion. Like you're you're really not playing with a full set yet. And I can't hold you to the fact that you don't have that remote control yet. And my job is to guide you until the remote control arrives. Could you come from there? Because that would be a powerful place to interact with teens. You know, these these kids that I was talking about, the at-risk teens, why do you think it worked so well to engage them in cooking and feeding them? It worked because they had a sense of belonging. They had a place to belong. They really started to see the school as their place. They cleaned it, they, they did the dishes, they made the food, they tidied up, it was their place and they loved what was going on there. My job was to make it a great place to be interesting and compelling and you don't want to miss anything and their job was to keep the place in great shape and to be remembering that when they sat down to eat, they needed to be interested in each other. So one of the things that they had to do was to ask somebody a question about something they knew that that person was going to do and ask them how it turned out to demonstrate interest in other human beings. And that's why it worked. And it worked really well. The kids were happy. They had a place where their shoulders could come down from their earlobes and they could relax. Because teens are tense, you know. They're tense. It's a tough time. And they're tense. So sometimes they do things just to get your attention. And, you know, I said to one kid one time, and I said it to many after that, I said, I want you to know that this is a safe place where you, I'm going to love you no matter what. And you don't have to keep doing things to get me to agree with your low opinion of yourself. Think about that. If they're not feeling good about themselves, and then you tell them that you don't like who they are, you're just making that worse. That's why you have to love them. Doesn't mean you condone their behavior and enable their behavior, but they have to feel loved. We all do. And as an adult... As a mature healthy adult, we have to get these concepts going so that we can raise healthier teens. So they do these things, and I would I would just tell them, you know, Are you just doing this to get me to agree with your low self-esteem? Because I'm not going to do that. I think you're worthwhile. I think you've got a lot going for you, and we're going to focus on that part. And yes, you've got a rap sheet a mile long and you're only 14. But we're going to change that. I'm not going to see that part of you. I'm going to see the part that has good in it. Now, it's not Pollyanna. It's not putting on the rose-colored glasses and saying, oh, it's all sweetness and light. No, it's not that. It's that I chose to see the good in these kids. And slowly, they began to see it for themselves. And believe me, they pushed me (laughs) Their brains were undeveloped. their hormones were rising, their desire to be separate from me because I was an authority figure or at home. at my own kids, the desire to show that I'm not you, I'm different, I'm a person. I think this is right. I want to do this became very, very clear. so you know, to recap, remember those three things: teens have an underdeveloped brain; they don't have the ability to weigh outcomes to form judgments, and to control their impulses and, and their um, emotions. So things just fall out of their mouths. They don't think about it first. They don't think about how it's going to land. They go and do something, and they don't think about how it's going to look because they don't have the capacity now, I'm not saying they don't have any capacity. Of course they do. You can lead them along and you can demonstrate that to them. That, yeah, you know, you could have done this. Or I remember a time when you made a better judgment or you made a, you, you made a better decision. But you have to be reminding them of that all the time. And um, many teens are great and we make it through unscathed. Parent and teen enjoys the experience and has a great time. Um, So I'm not talking about all teens in the sense that all teens are, are problematic. I'm saying that all teens have this underdeveloped prefrontal lobe. And we just need to honor their level of development. We have to honor where they are in the world, where they are in their life and in their growth and in their ability to reason and their ability to think straight their ability to make good choices. We just have to help them. And you don't help them by the you, you, you thing. You, you help them by saying, well, you know, I have the, I had this experience and and it turned out this way, or here's an example, or what do you think? Do you th- really think that's a good idea? Where do you think it'll take them? Help them to think and, you know, love them. But don't enable them and don't raise entitled kids. Don't just throw money at them. Give them what they want. They stamp their foot and all of a sudden they have a Mercedes. Don't do that because you're raising kids who will potentially become hijackals. Please don't enable your kids. Don't, 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 don't. If you give them everything and you cave into their wants and demands, you're raising a kid who has no respect for boundaries. And if a kid has no respect for boundaries, they have no respect for other people, and it's not going to be good, and you are going to go through a rougher time than you need to. So you have to have good boundaries, and when you hold boundaries, it makes kids feel safer. They don't like it. I'm not saying they like it, but they feel safe. They can push against that, and you don't cave in. So that's something we're going to talk about with another guest, all about boundaries. But holding boundaries is imperative when you're raising teenagers. And so maybe some of these things that landed for you today. Maybe you're going to share them with a friend. Maybe you were going to tell someone, you got to listen to the show because your teenager is really having trouble with their remote control. And when that happens, you will now have a resource to share with them. So remember, too, that you can call into the show and ask your questions. That's at 888-627-6008 and you can also ask my guest questions who will be with us very very shortly and uh, he's going to be talking about how to get how to get your teenager to go from reactive responsive and then grow further to be proactive and here he is now hi donovan welcome to the program Hi, it looks like you can't hear us yet. Hello. (laughs) All right, so let me tell you a little bit about Donovan while he's setting up his, um, his equipment. Donovan works with the families of teens who are puzzled with these challenges that we've been talking about. And as I said, he helps them go from reactive to responsive and then to move from being responsive, which means actually being able to see the situation, to being proactive and designing healthy routines so family life improves. And teens are empowered to take off to realize their dreams That's a wonderful thing to be able to offer teens, Jonathan, to really be able to help them see that things are possible and they are not stuck. So welcome to the program.
2: Thank you so much, Roberta. It's great to be here.
1: Yeah, it's good to have you. Um, And I I know you're going to introduce us to your Solving Our Stress um, System and, and tell us all about that. But tell us what got you interested in teens,
2: Well, it actually goes back to, like, I was sitting on the couch with my wife one day. She's a teacher, and she was going through her day, and uh, was just having a hard time with something, and I don't even remember what it was, but it like dumb on both of us right then and there that I needed to be working with people. Uh, I was actually trying to find myself in life and was working with my family business with my dad, refinishing furniture. But on that day, it really kind of kicked in that I needed to go after my true calling, and that was doing something within social service. So I did some informational interviewing. I actually talked to my old high school counselor for the first time in like eight or so years. And, uh, and then the combine shootings happened during that time frame when I'm doing this search process. And I really felt like that big why on the front of Newsweek or, or whichever of the magazines it was at the time. was something I just needed to know. Like it wasn't going to be good enough for me to see a new headline the next week. And just let that go and uh, fade into the background. So I thought that was a real game changer in society and that I just needed to do uh, whatever I could to figure out why. Um, and then I think that was just a, a question I was constantly holding in mind intentionally as I went through my work as a school counselor. And, and uh, that's, that's kind of what got me started
1: hmm Well, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the first half of the show, but I worked, I was the director of a school for at-risk teenagers for five years. So I know something about what you're talking about, and I was speaking about it in the first half of the program. So tell us about this thing that you've created, this solving our stress system.
2: Okay. So 14 years into my career, we had three suicides in a two-week span and uh, I was the only person in town that happened the first day of Thanksgiving break. Mm-hmm. And so it really, uh, you know, it was a crushing blow to our whole community. And I did everything I could, you know, within the realm of being a mental health helper to help. And then we're uh, the really gonna kind of hit a wall with that. Like I needed to do my own processing. So I did that. Like I honored that that was an immediate process as the person within the community after I did all of the outreach that I could. Uh, and then it just kind of, I, I think it came down to, you know, I could still a victim or I could do something about it. And then I just simply asked the question within that was, what do I, I need to do so that the, this doesn't happen in vain? Like, I don't miss the lesson in this that, you know, I can pull out. So I think it's one thing when something happens out there in the world, versus is in your own backyard. And it just, It came super quick that I needed to see what boys keep hidden and I didn't know what that really meant at the moment. Um, But later on, I kind of put two and two together that I would use the Likert scale, like how you doing on a scale of one to 10 to kind of flip it and talk about, well, what do we do when stress rises? And I started playing around a little bit with the Likert scale and it just seemed like that wasn't that wasn't really enough to just flip that upside down. And I came across something by Seth Godin that said, if you're really struggling with one of the super complex problems, bring everything to bear, Bring everything from your experience into play. And uh, something clicked there where, you know, using the stock market charting system could be pulled into mental health. And also like things that I did as a pilot too. So I learned to fly planes and (laughs) some of these things where you've got car indicators, plane indicators, you have these indicators that show you what's the situation on a chart really kind of made me think i wonder if we can use that with mental health and that kind of gave me a two-axis thing so instead of just having this one data point of how you're doing right now i thought about what if we extend this over time and so i created a green yellow and red kind of traffic light system but with time on it now we can have a pattern so i started asking kids how they were doing But then what's the context? How are you doing yesterday or last week? How are you doing a couple months before that? A couple months before that. And then I'd have a visual and I'd have this visual that I could see the the teenager could see on my chart. And if it was, let's, let's say, for instance, I've been in the red for two months. Well, that's, that's a big deal. Like now I know I've got a simple language that I understand, but it's not complex counseling theory. The kid understands it too. Uh, I can't stay up here in the red zone forever. This is high stress and we need to do something significant about it. That's a phone call to the parents and then probably starting some therapy. So it was super uh, powerful for me to be able to see something that was ridiculously easy to explain, but even down to the elementary school level uh, for a kid to also understand what we're talking about here, a simple universal language so that the internal world, And how we, you know, traverse the internal world is very similar to how we drive our cars. We want to come to those intersections and have no confusion. And so for me now, I've got an incredibly tangible system for a very nebulous thing, the internal world.
1: Wow, that's great. Um, How did you engage the teens in actually being interested in taking a look at that?
2: Well, first off, I started with just that simple, like, Likert scale flipped upside down, and I, what I started to realize is they, there's just, like, three types of help. There's do-it-yourself, self-help, like, your coping skills, okay? And then I'm like, well, what are you doing when your coping skills stop? Because I'm thinking, at some point, you got to go to the council. you got to just tell us when there's an emergency, and you can't just, you know, leave that out of the equation here. So it's kind of like that you know, you're going to help yourself out and then it's not enough and you go to the counselor. But there was this in-between part that kept coming up where they'd talk to a family member or friends if it was beyond their coping skills. So mm-hmm. they'd talk to a counselor. So once I introduced the colors, that was, that was a huge shift too because it was so much easier. What I recognized is the numbers were arbitrary. One kid was like, well, when I'm at a three, now I'm going to, you know, maybe have to talk to the counselor. Another one would be, well, I'm at a seven, I would go talk to the counselor. And then the lowest one was like a 0.5, super drama. I must share everything with everybody. So anywhere from a 0.5 up to a 7 didn't really mean anything different. So it really needed something in between. I filled that in. But still, those numbers being completely meaningless from person to person to person would be like our traffic lights having number system instead of lights, you know, and it was all like white lights with a black number on it. That would be impossible to, to see for them. But uh, just going back to the green, yellow, and red was so easy for kids to just point, even for guys, there is where I am. So they literally have the chart out and they point at it. Great. This feeling or that feeling or whatever it is, they couldn't identify it, they just point. Well, where were you yesterday? They point again. Where were you the day before? They point again. So even, you know, we joke about teenagers not being able to use more than one word or one syllable. I was able to create charts with zero words that really show what's going on internally in a picture.
1: That's, that's excellent. So this is Donovan Dreher, and he's talking to yeah. us about his Solving Our Stress program. So I want you to stay tuned because we're going to talk about that and relate that to what I was speaking about before Donovan arrived, which is that under development of the prefrontal lobes, make sure that that there is an awareness of that and how that comes together. That's one of the reasons that they're all happy to point at the colors and the numbers rather than have the conversation, of course. And, And this is important stuff for us to know. So we're not just ourselves being reactive to teens. That's one of the things that happens. The adults get reactive to teens. We need to learn to be responsive and then become proactive, just as Donovan's going to teach us how he does that with the teens. So stay tuned and uh, don't miss a thing. We'll be right back. Hi this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Handling hijackles is exhausting. It's never ending. An endless cycle of crazy making, alienation, and constant drama. And cycles are difficult to step out of. I know because I've been there too. And that's why I reach out to you to offer the insight, skills, and strategies you need to heal. My small group programs, Handling Hijackles and Hijackle Recovery and Rediscovery will shortcut your journey to healing to save your sanity, and to stopping the crazy-making. Visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join now, and let's talk soon. Well, we're back, and I'm here with my guest, Donovan Dreyer, and he's a high school counselor and a coach of the Teen Team Founder of Get Ready Coaching, and he's been telling us about this fabulous instrument that he created and a system called Solving Our Stress, and how really, if you don't have words for how you're feeling when you're a teen, you can just point and say that one, <laughs> which is a, a really great thing that you've done and and such a good tool. So when when we have these these kids who are in the red zone, as you say um how what do you do with them if you're a parent what what do you what do you say when they're in the red zone how do you support them at that moment
2: yeah that's just a couple things we don't really want to mess around with the red zone much you know like our cars maybe flip up when we're like speeding you know speeding up and we're shifting gears it might get there for a second and come back down so i think sometimes things are heated Uh, But like the top end is is the yellow like that's where we're still working with it as a parent or as a as a buddy So that's that's that section in the middle Where where it's your family and friends that are there to help if some of them are red that's time to start thinking about professional help But if we're getting toward that and the stress is rising or we're right on that verge of red first of all like a good example if I had a parent and a student in my office and I said, well, where are you at when you're arguing about the dishes and, and it's not happening. And mom's like, I'm right up there near that red, I'm right up at the top of the yellow. And I was like, well, where's your son? I had a sneaking suspicion that there was some button pushing going on. And I said, well, where's your son? Right up there too? We're arguing over back and forth. It's really heated. And uh, I said, well, I asked the okay, kid, well, what's your experience with this? And he's like, well, you know, as long as I'm not doing the dishes, I'm good. I don't really mind the art. <laughs> I said, okay, well, place yourself in the chart. It was like way down, uh, you know, barely in the yellow, in the green, I think. And so there was this total mismatch of where mom and uh, where she thought she was and her son was. So, um, First of all, you've got to get yourself back down. You've got to find a way to call a timeout on yourself. So put yourself in a timeout as a parent and just don't keep engaging when it's just starting to just be head Um So as the adult in the situation and the role model, you can't maybe stop that from being there, but you got to just call that timeout and take a break, first off.
1: That's a very good point for everybody in all situations is A, first of all, we have to do our own work you know it's fine to go around telling everybody that they're not they're not the wonderful person they think they are but that's pretty much a mistake better find out if you are the wonderful person you think you are <laughs> and that your skills are intact and that you're thinking correctly that your stress level is not so high that you're just reacting to everything so i like that piece of what you said and then secondarily when you come back down and you re-engage, you can be more inclusive. I know I raised three kids myself, um, mostly alone, and I know what it was like. I mean, I've been there, done that, not only had the school experience, but had the home experience. And kids like to be included and invited rather than demanded and told. And that's one of the things, when you were using that example of you know, come and do the dishes. Well, if it's a have to and you got to, they'll get a lot more resistance then. You know, I love talking to you at the time. It's kind of a special time for me when we're doing the dishes together. Would you come and you know, work with me? Much more inclusive, much more we than you. And those are really important things with teens, aren't they?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And if you step that up to one more level into the proactive, you might actually have a chart. So if we don't even have to have a conversation around it because we build that healthy routine and and uh, it's not a constant battle, and, you know, the, the funnel load, the stuff isn't done uh, developing, so it's not realistic sometimes to think this is going to be a perfect routine. But let's move that from 0% and 100% asking to maybe 50%, 75%, and there's some, you know, fewer and fewer reminders that you try and do in more of a, a gentle a responsive way but the proactive would be, man, can we start figure out a way where well, I don't need to ask you, you don't need to feel like I'm forcing you. You can actually feel some confidence from sometimes at least uh, doing it on your own. And then I'll, I'll reassure that. Like that's the proactive in that same example.
1: Yeah, because teens want some power in their lives. And when we come as the all-encompassing power, I will do it my way. Uh, when that happens, it's just not... Um, not conducive to moving forward in a positive way.
2: Absolutely. So that an example of the student or young person not actually being up there near that red zone. So if you're a parent and you're worried about it and that stress is rising and it hasn't gotten to that level of we definitely need to go, you know, in for therapy, but you're just trying to turn it around um, you know, there's basically two forms of prevention. One is where that stress is rising; we want to prevent it from getting into the red level, which is that danger, emergency level, or crisis. And then the other one is the proactive. But let's say the proactive part's not working, and that stress is rising anyway. And the you know the parents getting a little bit anxious about it, and so the stress is rising there too. Um, the next piece is thinking about well, what are what are some ways that we can have that outlet? So how can I be supportive as a parent and and maybe it's not me, you know, building a team of support when we talk about the teen, the teenager team, it's sometimes mom's going to be the t- person to turn to. Sometimes it might be The neighbor. Sometimes it might be an uncle that you're going to talk to. So if you have enough of a support network and you're feeling that anxiety anxiety get to a point where you need a timeout maybe or you're not the right person, definitely finding some other people that are supportive for the teenager uh is really really important and if it's you and you're actually in a calm cool place then it's just simply being there to, to listen you know asking open questions that give a chance for the steam to, get, to to blow off or maybe it's going for a walk a lot of times with guys it's something a little bit more active and maybe not sitting and talking face to face it might be you know walking parallel when you're talking yeah, well I for guys.
1: I you know, I often tell the couples that I work with, if you got to have a really, you know, the woman, if if you're going to bring up a topic and it's really not going to be popular, mm-hmm. sometimes it's best to bring it up when you're in the car and although that seems like it's sort of entrapment that we're in this space and you can't get away, but for that very reason that you said that when we're not having the eye contact and we're not so intense, often we can then have a better conversation and that's the important part really important to to know how these things work to get better skills to have better strategies to have further understanding of what's actually so that, that's really important. So remember, you can call in. We're, we're getting to the end of the show now. We've only got another six minutes with Donovan. But if you have a question, quickly call in 888-627-6008, 888-627-6008, because it's a complete haze out there when you're dealing with kids in a hormone haze and and undeveloped remote control and all of that kind of thing Uh, it's really important for us to have insights and skills and Donovan has a lot for you Um, and remember that he has um, a way do you want to tell them about the texting thing
2: yeah, uh, if, if people are interested in getting the SOS report that I've put together, the latest one, I'll keep uh, you know, making changes to it. But that report will always be found by texting all one word, team, TEAM, so T-E-E-N-T-E-A-M, and you text that to 33444, and then it'll ask for an email, and then that report uh, will be sent out, and people can get a quick description, because it's hard to see. This is such a visual tool, uh, but I've got you know many posts on my Instagram as well. So that's that Get Ready Coaching, and also on my Facebook page at Get Ready Coaching as well. So there's um, uh, there's also a couple of the presentations I've done. Those are like hour long. They're recorded on YouTube. The full presentation of SOS.
1: Okay. Well, you just heard that Donovan has a great resource for you. And remember, text all one word: Teen Team to 33444, and you can get that report. That's pretty cool. That's right immediate. It'll be right delivered to you once you put your email address in there. So this mindfulness tool, this uh, solving our stress tool or SOS tool is really worthwhile. And I hear you keep saying that you work with, with males generally. Is that the case?
2: Well, I think that's uh, we, the, the three suicides with three boys. So that was really, you know, I don't know why whatever clicked in my head clicked in my head, but I work with uh, both boys and girls uh, throughout my 16-year career here. Uh, but what I really see is that typically guys are not going to be like labeling this anxiety or stress or worry or sadness. I mean, it's like I'll point right there, there, and there, and boom, awesome. I got the, the great you know, pattern. And if you don't have the tangible, you kind of assume well, I'm in mental health. If you come in my office, some kind of good is happening. But I've actually had cases where they've come to see me and come to see me again and a third time. And it's actually gotten worse each time, which makes you feel like, oh no, there's really something wrong with me. But it, there was actually kind of a link in the middle. There was a you know individual appointment. And then the middle appointment was with a parent. So having that dynamic of two adults in my office really kind of changed everything for the kid. And it was maybe beneficial for mom in those two cases, but not so much the students. So I think there's, you know, it's just so powerful to have these little patterns that are visual. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, when you're looking to solve suicide or even homicide or some of our big issues in the world, you've got to be able to see inside. So it's a little bit like an X-ray that shows you what's, what's there. So you know how to, what to do or what not to do it. Also, if you're in the green as a teenager, you don't need the helicoptering you're at the place where your coping skills are working and we can show that like i can show that on my chart let this teenager is fine you don't need to hover in helicopter in this situation because you don't need to worry that any second it's going to be red it's just it's fine it's green it's good
1: yeah and and that allows you to be able to say ah okay things are going pretty well i just keep a little eye make sure that things don't get outside of this but I can relax and we can just enjoy each other because I don't have to worry that, like you say, I don't have to be that helicopter parent. Like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? What are you feeling all the time? I can actually just enjoy being with the child. You know, as I said, I raised three kids mostly by myself and they're 10 years apart in age. So we had a teenager in the house for 13, no, 15 years. And, And so I know a little something about living with them as a single parent. And it's stressful. It really is. And you want to know how you're doing. So your great tool allows you to have the child actually have a way to tell you to be able to say, this this is what's going on for me without having a big conversation with mom <laughs> and, and um, having that, that thing. Like, one of the ways I found out, particularly for one of my sons, what was going on with him because he was the youngest and he was the most challenging, um, was we'd play crib every evening after his homework was done. That was the reward after homework was done. So while we would play three games of crib, out would pour what was actually going on for him and so there are ways that we can engage our children and you know he was difficult he really was he was demanding he was hurting he was in pain he he had things to deal with that he shouldn't have had to deal with and um you know anybody could have have not faulted me for saying oh you know this is this is tough but what i learned was that that only meant more love on my part i oh. just needed to to be there all the time so what i actually did was i bought a place way out in the in the Tules where he had to rely on me for all his transportation and oh, yeah. at that point we got we got things pretty straightened out so I think this is a fabulous thing that you've done and thank you so much for sharing it with us. Is there anything you'd like to say just before we end?
2: Yeah, I, I think that's just, uh, like, like you said, it's it's really a powerful thing to, to think on your toes, use what works. I think, you know, there, there's a bit of an art to this, but having it be having some ways we can make it really concrete and especially visual with such a visual world and uh, you know, to have this, this tool, I've seen kids just have a sense of relief by not even talking yet. Like I was first drawing and I have a chart printed up now, but even just being able to, to put structure to it and have it be a universally easy under easy to understand thing. Um, I, you know, if there's anybody interested wants to Facebook message me and just discuss it further, I'm so happy to, to introduce this to other schools, to families and to just give this, Super easy, common language for one of the most complex things, you know, what's going on internally. Uh, we don't really have an x-ray for that necessarily, but that's, uh, you know, this traffic light system with SOS makes it so much easier. It's yeah, relative, right. But it's definitely easier.
1: Well, thank you so much for being with us and go to our page at bbsradio.com slash relationship help show. You get all the contact information there for Donovan and make sure that you connect with him we've all been teens and we all survived that's the good news you'll survive with your teen too don't give up hang in with them and keep loving them and hooray for every teen and parent who are having a great time with very few ripples because that's great so just before we go I want to tell everybody about something really special I used to have a membership site and I had this hidden behind the membership site and I have put it out there so you know my work is especially with people who are relentlessly difficult, those people who cause us to question our sanity and second-guess ourselves. So what I've done is I've put up my 10 videos for you. So if you'd like to see them, you can go to forrelationshiphelp.com slash and you will get access to the 10 videos on the hallmarks of hijackles, and that will help you. And remember to my free ebook, How to Spot a Hijackle at hijackles.com. Go and, and go to For Relationship Help for everything else. And I so thank you, Donovan. And I look forward to having everybody here with us again next week. We're going to have a great show, and we hope that you will share this show with your friends. Watch for the archives. Thanks so much, Donovan.
0: Thank you, Roberta.
1: And we're gone. See you next week.
0: There you have it. If you want more, you can work with Dr. Shaler directly. She's eager to help you resolve your relationship issues. Have a question? Call in early to next week's show to talk with Dr. Shaler on air. Get her expert insights and advice by subscribing to her blog, newsletter, and YouTube channel. We're here for you. Don't be a stranger. Join us again next week. And in the meantime, visit forrelationshiphelp.com.